You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact, living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Gifted with Sheila White. I am really excited to have this gentleman with me on today. Um, an exciting gentleman doing some exciting things in the city of champions, which is Joliet, Illinois. So you guys are really in for a treat. It's not often that you get to interview uh, a maverick like this gentleman right here. Today, I have a maverick. I have a person that is making it happen in the city of Joliet. Um, his name is Mr. Ron Romero. He's the founder and executive director and board officer of the and creator of the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum right on Route 66. And he's the owner of Stage Right Productions since 2000. Stage Right Production is a live event company production that provides sound and lighting for small concerts and corporate events. Rod is an entrepreneur and he has previously owned a computer technology company and he's an internet provider company and an estate investor. Ron sits on the Joliet Junior College Music Technology Board Committee as an advisor, and he is a member of the Illinois Association of Museums and the American Alliance of Museums. And he still, after all of this, still remains time to perform as a musician. Welcome, Ron, to the show. Thank you for having me on. I just now realized why I'm so busy after that interview. <laughs> That's why you're not getting that much rest. You're, you're working 247. Talk about the night at the museum. You have the days and the nights at the museums. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's uh, that, that extra time I was using for sleep. I guess I'm not using that anymore. So There you go. There you go. You know, Ron, we're going to kind of deep sea dive a little bit. I want to go back into, if you remember this, what was the first museum that you had visited as a kid because this is interesting how you came up to this point of working with the museum so what was the first museum that you remember visiting as a young person as a kid i can honestly the first one i remember was going to the museum of science and industry in, in uh, chicago downtown oh, and wow. just uh, thrilled to be there with my my dad taking uh, me there and and seeing all the cool things there and being interactive and learning stuff there and um, i just loved it Wow. Now, since we're talking about museums and I know you as a little boy, you started looking, you know, visiting museums and things like that. What do you think makes a museum successful? Because you there's a science and industry. There's so many different types. Uh, there's the rock and roll that they have throughout the country. Um, you know, there's different artifacts and, you know, multimedia dis um, presentations. But in your opinion, what do you think makes a museum successful? Because there's different types of museums. Well, I think a few things. One, it's got to appeal to a mass audience. It has to be mm. something that draws people in. I think for me, when I go to a museum, I want to walk out going, wow, I didn't know that, or wow. I've learned something today, or I got to see that piece of uh, that artifact. Uh, maybe in our case, maybe somebody will see a guitar that was played in concert or in a, on a record or some clothing that was worn in a video. Um, those are the kind of things to me that just draw me into the museums. Wow. Wow. And what would you say is the main goal of the Rock and Roll Museum here on Route 66? 
Well, there's a few goals, actually. One is to uh, honor, preserve, and, and promote music from Illinois. Um, I think that's a big part for me. The other, the other part of this is actually economic development. Mm. Um, you know, as a kid, Joliet was a big town that we would come to that was close to where we were. And um, this is an opportunity for uh, downtown Joliet uh, to promote it and to bring people to downtown Joliet and see all the wonderful things we have here now. I mean, we have other museums. We have great restaurants. We have there's so much to do here. And, um, you know, we're just starting to catch on. Mm, wow. You know, the museums are you know, they're pillars of culture and you learn so much in different types of museums and things like that. You can explore different ideas and different unique um, art forms and things like that. Let's talk a little bit about the different genres of music that the museum here will represent. That's a very good uh, question. Uh, the, you know, despite the word rock and roll being inside our title of the, the name, the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum, we want to honor and celebrate and preserve and promote music from all genres. Um, you know, I've said in conversations before that uh, we may not all agree on the same topics or the same language or the, but whatever we do, it's music can be a really good vehicle for us to, to communicate. Mm. Um, even if we don't know the words or like the style of music, there's some kind of music um, that attracts us, uh, whether it's uh, blues, rock, you know, heavy metal, jazz, anything. Mm. Most people, I can't think of anybody I know that, that doesn't like music. So I think <laughs> it's an important part for us. And I think that's in a very, uh, in a world full of turmoil, you know, this is, a, this is a really good opportunity for us to kind of find that common ground. You know, you're so right. There's hardly anybody that doesn't like music. Even babies like music. I've seen videos where babies are just dancing. They're like one year old and they're just bopping up and down when you hear certain type of music and swinging their little hips and patting their feet. It is so funny. Music is a universal language and things like that. So it is true. And even animals. I've seen, you know, different types of animals are, are doing things with the sound of music. So it is a universal language for different species uh, as well. You know, Ron, how do you come up with different ideas um, for the exhibits? Because you mentioned, you know, some different things of just a few minutes ago, um, you know, not only about the music, but different styles of culture that will be in the museum. How do you come up with these great ideas? Well, you know, by visiting other museums, by knowing the music, um, you know, odd thing is when this was a concept, I had it all laid out in my head, what I expected in this mm. museum. Um, you know, I knew what was going to be in each floor. I knew where it was going to be positioned. I just kind of had that that vision. But the best part of it, in my opinion, is that I get to work with a great board of directors and uh, committees and designers and uh, graphics people and um, getting in, you know, communication with these people and talking about these. It really uh, spawns great ideas. I love the the process of brainstorming. You know, I throw something out on the table and people go, OK, here's my vision of how I see that. Mm. And and then everybody at the table says, well, let's include this or let's change that. And that to me is just as inspiring and as important uh, as coming up with the ideas and just saying, here's what I want to see. Wow. And, you know, just the museum has so much to offer at this point. It's really amazing. It's it's uh, more than one story. It's multi-story museum. What is one of your favorite exhibits so far? Because I walk when I've walked around there and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at this. I've never seen a guitar like that guitar. You know, it's on both sides. I'm like, what? But what is one of your favorite exhibits so far in the museum? Because I know there's more 
exhibits coming in and you guys are going to be changing things around? So that's a pretty unfair question because it's like saying, who's your favorite child? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and to be honest with you, I tell all my children, they're my favorite. So <laughs> they're, um, there's so much at each one of the exhibits that are right. here we're building or expecting to come in that, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's, that's, that's the clothing they wear on stage or that's mm. the guitar they played on that record. Mm. Or mm. That's to me, every one of those is as inspiring as uh, just exciting to me to wow. be able to see each one of those individual exhibits or uh, an exhibit may have uh, several artifacts in it. Mm. And to see, you know, maybe components put together that from this tour or that tour with uh, this record or whatever it may be. So there's so much. And, and the nice thing about the museum is it'll be both static and dynamic. So there'll be some things that you'll see every time you visit. Yeah. Uh, and, and then and there'll you be know, other things that'll be more, you know, that'll change throughout the years. Mm. And, you know, speaking of that, um, one of the exhibits, which I think right now is probably the oldest uh, exhibit in the museum when you first kind of walk in. Talk a little bit about that particular exhibit. I mean, it's just, it takes you back in the years when you just look at that particular exhibit. Now, are we talking about the Great Migration exhibit? Or oh, the radio, the, the radio room exhibit. The radio exhibit. Yeah, it's so, so cool. <laughs> yeah, so the long story short on that is there was a gentleman that was from Joliet that used to um, install and repair radio stations. And mm. over the years, he'd accumulated enough parts uh, that he created essentially his own museum, and it was located in Pontiac. Well, he passed away a few years ago, and his wife called and said, we have a complete radio station that was actually um, in Joliet. It started in Joliet. Um, the long and short is that that eventually was sold to WVIV, which is a Hispanic channel now. Mm -hmm. When that sold, I want to say it was sold for $4.1 million dollars. But when it started, it was a pretty humble beginnings of, uh, you know, the, not necessarily high tech mm -hmm. uh, equipment, but uh, certainly high tech for its time. Wow. So the exhibit wow. that we have here is from the late 60s, early 70s from a radio station called WAJP that started here in Joliet. And you'll get to see the old gear, um, you know, some of the, uh, the props, you know, one of the things that people who do remember WAJP are the bells. Mm -hmm. When they when they tell you what time it was, they hit the bells. <laughs> we have the bells here. Um, and even down to the clock that was in the radio station, which I asked to set at five o'clock because the gentleman who where we got this from, his family, he had a show that came on at five o'clock. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that, that's one of those little subtle things you may not know about. But when you look inside to that exhibit, you'll see the clock set to five o'clock in honor of uh, of our uh, friend Lane Lindstrom. Wow. And it's so it's so cool because when you look at that exhibit, it's like it takes you back years and years of what radio was like then, you know, down to everything. It's so amazing. Every little detail that's in and that particular very, exhibit. Yeah, we're very fortunate because back in the day, everything was done on reel to reel. Mm. And that's, of course, what's called magnetic media. So uh, things can affect that just time, mm. putting it near a source. It's magnified or um magnetic mm. uh, you know it degradates that recording but we found some um some of the reel to reels we were able to lift the sound off of that and when you come in there's a qr code on what's called a reader rail that you can hit with your phone and okay. you can listen to a broadcast from the late 60s early 70s i'm not sure the date 
But it's very interesting because Mal, um, Al and Mary Jean Puller, the owners, um, Al actually had a very thick uh, Polish accent. Oh. And he had a, he had a show called the Polka Hour, mm. and he played polka music brought to you by Marishka's in Joliet. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very, we're very fortunate to have uh, original recordings. Wow. You know, Ron, if you could just wave a wand and, and have an object in the collection, you know, today, what would that be? Because there's so much great music and artists and artifacts and things. But what would be like your dream artifact or, or thing that you would like to see in the collection? There's there's so many things. Guitars from Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick. Wow. Um, there's an acoustic guitar from uh, Dan Fogelberg, who sang the song Longer uh, and leader of the band. Um, we have things like handwritten lyrics from the mm. band Ario Speedwagon. Wow. Um, you know, any, I, the more personal things like that, um, the more things I'm, I'm excited about. I know that um, we helped to get some of the artifacts for an exhibit down at the uh, Abraham Lincoln Museum in Springfield mm. that included um, uh, a shaving kit from uh, Howlin' Wolf, you know, Big in the Blues wow. from Chess Records. And to me, and it had a little driver's license from him, too. So it's personal things, things that you're not going to see on the Internet. You're going to yeah, come here yeah. and see that's what he actually physically used. Wow. Uh, so things like that, anything that are, that's personal to the, the artists, I think, are what excite me. You know, speaking of exciting and meeting artists and things like that and different artifacts, um, you're an artist yourself. You're, you're still you're a musician as well. Um, is there a musician that, whether alive or dead, that you would love to meet? Um, you know, if you could meet a person, whether alive or dead, because there's so many different genres of music that will be at your museum. And, you know, you mentioned you know, Ario Speedway or Cheap Chick or whatever. Um, and in the museum, there's all these artists plastered all over on the outside and the inside of, of the museum. So which artist, if you could meet, alive or dead, would you like to have met? Well, being the executive director here at the museum and holding our Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, I've been very fortunate to meet a lot of my heroes, my, my music. Mm -hmm. um, I think a uh, little further out from Illinois would be somebody like Paul McCartney. I, I've, I've often thought I'd love to interview him because I have questions that I don't think other people have asked him. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of like, well, where did the name of the Beatles come from? Or what did you think when you were traveling in Hamburg? But I have questions about, you know, the technology over the years mm. when they played, you know, they played at the, the ballparks, including Comiskey Park in Chicago. And um, and they played over the PA system that you would hear the announcer announce that, you know, coming up to first white base is, you know, mm. so... It was really <laughs> terrible tech, technology at the time. And since mm -hmm. then, you know, now they have much better PA systems and yes. amplifiers and recording. The Beatles recorded on four track recording units. And now you can just virtually limitless how many tracks you can put in. Mm. And I just want to know about that, you know, how things have changed over the years. Wow, that's so interesting. And things have changed. Technology is constantly changing, which 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 brings me to a point of Gigantar. Let's talk a little bit about Gigantar. What is Gigantar? And give us a little bit of the experience of of um, the person designing it and that little process, because that's very interesting. Well, Gigantar uh, was an idea. We needed to put something on the front of our building. So our building was built in 1930s. By the 1940s, we were the we were gold blasts here in, in Joliet. 
Yes. And from the front of the building hung a Goldblatt sign. It was a, like a blade sign that was up and it's, you know, up and down. Mm-hmm. So when they removed that, uh, they kept the areas where the sign uh, was uh, attached to the building. Okay. So what we did was we created a 25 foot guitar that, um, that hangs in the front of the building now. So that was created by Shannon McDonald, who's known as the world's best Beatles artist. She's done stuff in, in Liverpool and uh, the Hall of Fame in, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, things all over. Yeah. And uh, so they created this. It's basically a sculpture of a guitar uh, at um, and, and it's if you look at it, it's actually to scale. So the frets are exactly where they would be if we would have taken a regular guitar and expanded it to 25 feet tall. Wow. And it's in the shape of uh, the shield, the Route 66 shield for the body of the guitar. Wow. Uh, so it was a great, you know, it was made in New Jersey mm-hmm. and a local company, Legacy Trucking, uh, volunteered their time and their efforts to drive out to New Jersey with a semi truck and a flatbed, pick it up and then drive back uh, across the country. We came in at Springfield, and then we did a little tour on Route 66, coming back to Juliet, stopping in all the towns on the way up here, because we wanted to build that um, not only notoriety for what we're doing, but we also wanted to spread that um, to the other towns so that they would be a part of the publicity. We, we truly believe in Route 66 and and really wanted to kind of spread the love along the way. Yeah, and it's awesome because you look at this huge guitar that's on the top of this building. You can't help but just look at it every time you go up and down the street. And I know that on the and on the um, when it was being it was installed and things, but when it was getting ready to have the ceremony to have the lighting of the official lighting of the uh, gigantic sign being you know turned on where you could see the lights. Um, let's talk a little bit about that because I know that was a funny story. <laughs> There's lots of people in the street. The news people are there. The police are there. There's celebrities there. The the uh, Shannon you mentioned who designed the guitars there. Um, it was just a lot going on at that time in the city in the front of this building. And um, talk to us a little bit about what happened just before the lighting of this huge 25 foot Gigantar. <laughs> well, <what> happened. <laughs> you know, it's it's a funny story now, <laughs> but but at the moment, bracking. Um, so we had a. Um, I called a friend of mine to make a switch to fabricate a switch for so that our one of our rock stars could walk up to it, flip the switch to light the guitar. Mm-hmm. Well, he created this. I don't know, eight foot by eight foot um, amplifier. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. amplifier. It's like huge bigger amplifier. than light. Huge. Yeah. Amplifier. And there's a big switch on it. So when he'd flip it up, the light on the amplifier would come on. But there was no way to physically connect that up. So the secret to that story is we had a remote control that would turn that on. Mm-hmm. And uh, when this event started, uh, I had had the remote in my hand. I put it down by uh, the, behind the stage. And just literally moments before they were going to light it, I'm looking for it. Can't find the remote. Can't find the remote. And I'm starting to panic. He's going to go over there. He's going to flip the switch and we're not going to do it. And as they're walking over there to flip the switch, I happen to look back up on stage on the podium and there was the remote. So mm-hmm. I sneak up on stage and uh, and I say, hi, right, everybody, you know, welcome. Let's let's do this as a countdown and try to make it flawless. You know, like I'm supposed to be on stage. I grab the remote. I count to three and I just get the remote in my hand and I hit the switch. 
And of course, on the count of three, it comes out. It couldn't have been cut any closer than that. But uh, and now, you know, now that we know where the remote is all the time, it works much better. So, yeah, yeah, because I know there's news media, there's cameras, there's even a helicopter in the sky. Um, it was so much going on and everybody was waiting. And then when the lights went on, there's this big roar and everybody's clapping. And it was such a great thing to see um, the this 25 foot good tire light up on the building. Um, that was pretty much that was pretty awesome. That was really, really awesome. Forgets, you know, having, you know, 500 people standing in front of the building onto the street street mm -hmm. uh you know we're slowing down traffic because people are standing in the street where i look up overhead and there's two flying helicopters one from <laughs> uh, you know from a couple of different tv stations that are doing news reports as we're doing this and uh you know no pressure at all of course yeah <laughs> yeah I yeah <laughs> You know, let's talk a little bit about the gift shop. I mean, it's so many exciting things that's in the gift shop of the uh, of the museum. Um, you know, what is one of the things that you love? I love this little, there's like a little um, drum, you know, that's that's got the logo and things on it. I mean, there's so many cool things where people can shop, take, you know, different types of artifacts from the museum. Um, that That's pretty cool. And why was that important for you um, to have that in the museum? Well, like Walt Disney said, uh, when your visitors leave the park, they should go right through the gift shop on their way out. So <laughs> that's kind of what we did as we designed that. Um, we have a lot of cool, unique uh, shirts that we, we had designed for the museum that are in there. We have uh, collectible miniature guitars. Mm. Um, the ones that we keep in stock are ones that have some story connected to Illinois music. Uh, we have several books and, and um, you know, information like that that's for sale. We have cups and we have our own brand of coffee to go with the cups. It's called Rock and Roast. Wow. Uh, we have, uh, you know, there's a lot of, we have our own guitar picks. We have, there's a lot of things that we have mm -hmm. uh, and it's growing. I, we're just adding more shirts and more shirt designs this week. Mm. Um, and though the doors aren't open, they'll be open soon, but they're not open yet. Yes. We're selling a lot of things online and it's been mm. very helpful to keep us, you know, to perpetuate our, our mission here. That's how we pay our mortgage and our gas and electric is through sales and through memberships right. And, right. and donors. Wow. How can you keep museums today more relevant for young people? Because you have different ages of elementary school, you know, high school students, things are so high tech now and there's different type of museums, but specifically with the music museum, you know, how can we make the museum relevant uh, to young people, would you say? Well, one of the things is that we're a teaching museum. So okay. we have lesson rooms in the lower level and we also okay. have a performance stage. So we want to teach students not only musical instruments, um, you know, some of our students will come through, want to be rock stars, but others <laughs> want to be part of uh, the um, audio or video team. They want to learn how to sound or lighting engineer, how to run music business, how to manage a band, okay. how to book a band, how to write songs. Uh, so we want to offer those opportunities for the students to get their feet mm -hmm. wet here. We do have 12 week classes and you can take several of those. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, we we work very closely with uh, University of St. Francis and Julia Junior College. Okay. And uh, at the end of our classes, when the students are close to college age, then they'll be meeting with the professors from those uh, from those colleges, so that they can continue their education towards a certificate or possibly uh, wow uh, degree. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. So many things, and I I know there's going to be a performance area in the museum. Is that correct? Yes, 
there's going to actually be two on the lower okay. level, which is our education area. There's a area that has a small stage, uh, what's called back line on it, which is like the amplifiers, the drums, okay. uh, PA and lighting. And then uh, that holds about 85 people. And then the top level will hold about 300 people mm. and we'll have, uh, that'll be hall of fame. There'll be some exhibits up there, but it'll be mostly um, uh, event space where you can hold a concert or we could do something different up there. Uh, mm. You know, it could be rented out for somebody's event. Wow. Now, how do you collaborate with other museums? Because I know you're with the, uh, um, you know, American Alliance of Museums and the uh, Illinois Association of Museums. How do you collaborate with them? Is it just meetings that they have or uh, talk to us a little bit about that, the collaborations? Yeah, the collaborations between other museums is very uh, important. When you mm -hmm. go to Chicago, there's several museums that you can get a pass for and go to each one of them. You want to spread that where you can bring people the idea is not to create a, here's something for you to do while you're here. We want to create an experience for the people. Yes. So we want people to come here and spend the day, the weekend, a few days, and go to our museum and some of the other museums in the area as well. So it's it's real important to have that collaboration. We recently went with uh, the Arts uh, Alliance uh, from Illinois and advocated for a grant for the Arts Alliance and the collaboration with that was uh, very important as well. Uh, we went to our uh, state capital and met with our state representatives, uh, got to meet uh, with the, uh, the governor's wife and some other people down there to advocate for a $30 million grant for the Arts uh, Council. Mm. And of course we fall in that Arts Council or that Arts Alliance because we're performing arts. Mm. Uh, but we met with so many great people, people who were in graphic arts and performing arts and mm. just it's it's a great, great, great community to work for. Wow. Wow. That's really exciting. Um, Ron, what interested you to open a museum in the first place? Because you're a musician, you you know, you have a business, you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> you're 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 your father, you're you know, you're doing so much. Uh, what interested you to open a museum in the first place? Because that's taking on a major undertaking to do something like this. This is a monumental task. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a crazy idea, actually. But, uh, <laughs> this is all my other efforts, my sound company, other things. It's all going to culminate into this museum. Uh, mm. This is where I'm going to be. Wow. Uh, this will be my only focus. And it has been mostly uh, in more recent years is just focusing on this. Um, and, you know, going to other museums is one thing. My love for music is another thing as a musician yeah. and listener. Um, the respect for the music that comes from Illinois, um, you know, going to the Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, going to Nashville was a big thing. There's so many museums out there. I'm not necessarily huge into country music, not that I don't like it, yeah, but that's yeah. not my go-to genre. But yeah. I have such respect for what a well-oiled uh, tourism machine and, and uh, music community that is. But one of the final things was actually going to an exhibit in Rockford. It was for the guitar player from a band called Cheap Trick. Okay. And while I was there, um, there was a group that had flown into um, Chicago and took a bus from there to uh, Rockford. Long travel. They came from mm -hmm. Japan. Mm. And they came all that way for that specific um, exhibit. And I thought to myself, they're coming halfway around the world to see one great band from mm. Illinois. What would happen if we put it all together with all the other great bands? And there's so many great bands, not only bands, but individual performers. Yeah. And then I realized uh, quickly that 
nobody has really honored uh, or preserved that history of Illinois music. And mm. the Illinois, the history of Illinois music is so impactful that everybody knows the Rolling Stones. But did you know that the Rolling Stones got their name from a Muddy Water song? Wow. Rolling Stone? Or that, you know, I can't, um, I can't be satisfied, which was a song by uh, Muddy Waters turned into I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Or that the, the Led Zeppelin had gotten sued for using all the Willie Dixon songs and lyrics and music. Um, you know, we, the, I say we, of course, okay. I mean Illinois music yeah. um, really inspired the world and nobody really claimed that. For Illinois, and I thought it was very important that we did claim that for Illinois and celebrate that, and let the world know yes. that the music you're listening to, possibly from other parts of the world, mm -hmm. probably has a tie to Illinois somehow. <laughs> and that is so great. It's it's a great museum. Now, when is the opening date? Did we have that date yet, so uh, our audience can be able to check it out? Well, we're looking at opening the first floor in the summer of 2023. Okay. Uh, an exact date hasn't been scheduled yet. We still have okay. to be inspect, have our final inspection on this first floor, and we'll get this open. Um, some of the things that we're up against is, uh, you know, this is a very grassroots organization. Mm. We didn't come in as developers. We didn't come in as a corporation. Oh. Okay. It's um, a group of people that are basically fundraising, grant writing. Uh, it's it's funded by our um, over eight hundred and fifty charter members. And we get funded through grants and donations from corporations and from the government. And um, to do that takes a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. As an example, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland actually took 12 years wow. and $92 million to create. Mm. Um, albeit that we're not, you know, we're not to that scale, but we yeah. do, we are in a three, you know, in a 25,000 square uh, foot building that's three floors that really has to be renovated from the you know square one right right so we're wow. very thankful to our trade unions to our uh, companies to our individuals that come in and donate time and materials to mm. get us where we're going and that's what's driving this wow um, you know we're not sitting on a on two or three million dollars we're sitting on you know the everybody's effort to pitch in and and to make this happen and i think people who are involved and like this are musicians or people who love music or people who love Joliet and want to see the economic development here in Joliet. And That's we're awesome. thankful for everybody. That is so awesome. Ron, how can someone, our audience, get in contact with you to be able to get more information on the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum on Route 66 or to be able to donate um, to this worthy cause um, to contribute to the City of Champions? Um, this is a great project. It's a beautiful museum. There's so much here in the city to see. Like you said, there's great restaurants. Uh, great tourist areas, uh, downtown, our theaters. Um, there's a lot happening here in the city of Joliet. So um, how do our audience get in contact with you? Well, you know what? One thing I want to say, though, is you mentioned the Joliet, the city of champions. To start with, the city of champions didn't come from from, from sports. It yes. came from the music, um, right. the high school here. So we're already in music town. We have the Rialto. We have the Forge across the street. Chicago Street has acoustic performances. Mm -hmm. All the great restaurants. I mean, it's just there's so much to do. But to learn about our specific project downtown here, the best thing to do is go to our website, which is roadtorock.org. And it's R-O-A-D-T-O-R-O-C-K dot org, O-R-G. Okay. And you can find anything. You can become a member. You can donate. You can find out where our mission is. You can see what we're doing. 
Um, you can even get some shots of inside of the museum to, to see the gallery and show you what we're doing here. And if that doesn't fill you up with a lot of information, you, you're always <laughs> welcome to call here at the museum, 815-927-1540. Uh, and we'd be happy to uh, to give you, you know, talk to you and, and tell you what we're doing here. Mm. And uh, and because we're still in renovation mode, for some reason, we don't answer the phone. Please leave a message and we'll make sure we return your call. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Well, folks, we've been talking to Ron Romero, the board director, board officer, executive director, founder, chairman of the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum on Route 66. Uh, we just want to thank you, Ron, for being our special guest today on the podcast. We want to thank you all, friends, for joining us. Uh, if you did not hear this entire broadcast, we want you to visit our website at www.road2eternity.net. Subscribe to this podcast to get more information. Um, the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum information will be on there so that you can be able to contact uh, Ron directly. We just want to thank you so much for listening. We want you to see this museum. It's a great uh, trophy that we have here in Joliet that's going to be opening very soon. We're all excited to, to be a part of this great, great project that's happening here to be able to view it and do anything we can to make sure that the City of Champions keeps their name as far as music is concerned, as Ron said. So thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company.